0: Hello everybody, welcome to American Billiard Radio, and surprise, it's not two weeks between shows this time. I had the interview with Vivian Dunn, and I had the chance to sit down and have a short conversation with my business partner, Jerry Forsyth, so put a show together. And I also plan on having a show for you next Thursday... I have a, an interview scheduled with Thomas Overbeck, who is part of the EPBF, who put on that European Championship, and then I will also be talking to one of the Moscone Cup candidates. But that's next week. This week, I have a fairly long conversation with Vivian Villarreal, and then I had a short conversation with Jerry Forsyth. Before I get to those conversations, uh, talk about the news a little bit, and there really wasn't a whole lot in the last week. Um, Probably the biggest part of the news in the billiards world was the European Championships, and certainly there were too many divisions to go through who won all the different divisions. Uh, the one bit of, of news that jumped out at me was Germany. Germany seemed to dominate the event. Uh, Twenty-four total medals, and the closest competition was Poland with twelve. Uh, Germany had nine gold, six silver, nine bronze. And as far as I can see, that is the most number in of each. And then, of course, the most total. Um, maybe we'll have to sit down with Torsten here sometime soon or Ralph and talk about the, the German pool scene over there and, and what, they, what they feel makes them as dominant as they are. But again, that's for a future show. Like I say, there wasn't a whole lot of other news this week, so I'll get right to things. Uh, the conversation with Jerry, as you'll hear, kind of started out as me wanting to discuss the threat on the forums, questioning whether Shane was the greatest of all time already. Uh, but as usual, the conversation kind of meandered to other things. But I'll give you a chance to hear that. Here is my conversation with Jerry Forsythe. So recently there was a conversation on the forums about the greatest of all time and the question of whether Shane Van Boning was the greatest of all time. Personally, I say no, but anytime something like this comes up, I want to go to someone who is much more an expert than I am, so I bring you Jerry Forsyth.
1: How are you? I'm pretty good, but that's a mistake to bring me in for that purpose. (laughs) However, as I'm never afraid to comment, um, you know, one of these days maybe we'll be able to say that Shane Van Van Boni was the world's greatest player. Uh, But I think we need a few more years on that because uh, for my money, Shane is still getting better. Um, But I'm always nervous to call someone the world's best at pool uh, because you have to go back to the days of Greenleaf and Moscone, And in that time period, the 70 years between their heydays and now, uh, the game has changed completely. It's a different table, it's different cloth, it's different balls, it's certainly different cues. So any way you do it, you're comparing apples and oranges.
0: Well, I go back to how straight pool has changed you know, with the different, like you say, the different cloth, the different tables. How do you think a player of, let's say, Torsten's level would compete back then and vice versa?
1: Well, give players on both sides of that a week to get used to the new equipment, you know, practice for hours a day on the the different equipment. And I think they'd be pretty competitive with one another. I don't see anyone running over anybody in that situation, but if they had to play on the new equipment, new equipment to them, and not be prepared for it, they'd get they'd get slaughtered. You know, how can you compare the the touch that was, that, that it took on Molly thick cloth uh, to that of what it takes on Simonis? I mean, it's a completely different stroke, and you can't learn that in an instant.
0: When it comes to straight pool, my mind immediately goes to Miserac because he was playing when I was growing up. Um, are you a Moscone as well? And again, you don't want to name a greatest of all time. Mosconi, Miserac, I mean, which do you feel is better or was better?
1: Well, see, I, I knew Miserac like you, and, and so. I saw him do so many miraculous things that, in my mind, nobody else could do that. So, I would go with Miserac. But I'm saying that out of ignorance because I didn't spend that much time around Moscone. I spent some time around him, but it was measured in hours, not days. Um, now he was a remarkable player. He could uh, when he gave when he opened Mister and Mrs. Q-Ball, a Brunswick family pool room in Greensboro North Carolina and I want to say that was nineteen sixty three sixty two or sixty three he came in and started running racks of balls and then he put a rack out there and broke it up and before each shot he would take this piece of chalk and make a little mark on the table where the cue ball was going to wind up after the shot Now you're familiar with the way Moscone played, so he, he wasn't moving the cue ball three rails around the table to get to these spots. He was moving it six inches, eight inches, or whatever. He was very conservative that way. But you'd be surprised. I mean, I mean most of the time, the cue ball would seem to be hovering over where he put that mark on the table, and that's that impressed the heck out of me. Um, but I'm certain Miserac could do the same thing, so... It's just tough to say. Um, I would have to go with Ms. but I'm prejudiced that way. And frankly, I'd, I would like to put someone from back then against Iraq and someone from today like Torsten Homan and see how they do in, in, in a real competition. Of course, we can't do that, but I think that's the only way you could really declare a world's best.
0: All right, I'll give you a comparison that's a little bit easier. <laughs> I, only, I only say a little bit, though. Efren or Earl?
1: Uh, boy, in his heyday, there's no doubt it was Earl, because he had a gear that could uh, rip up anybody. But his career, the, the the really highlight area of his career, is not nearly as long as the highlight career of Efren's career. Um so I'm, I'm gonna go with with Ephron uh, simply because um, he, his his skill didn't fluctuate. It was always it's always been top drawer.
0: When you were following the game prior to the twenty years that I've followed it at AZB level, was there ever a player like Efren that excelled so deeply into his career?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Luther Lasseter was in his 60s, I guess, when he gave up the game. Um, Moscone played to a ripe old age, so did uh, Karras. Um, In fact, I think quite a few of the old fellas didn't really uh, have people noticing them until they were in their late 30s or early 40s. but. Again, it was a different game back then. If you watch any of those guys shooting a shot, you'll be surprised how far up off the table they're standing. They are not aiming the cue like it's a rifle, like the guys today do. They don't have their chin down near the table; they're fairly upright and they're looking down at the table. Um, different way of playing, and you can do that. I think when you're older, it was <laughs> <than> the <laughs> rifle shot routine. <laughs>
0: Was that a change that just took place across the game, or did someone bring that change, kind of like the Filipinos brought a new level of kicking to the game?
1: You know, I've looked into that, trying to figure out who the first pool player was to put his chin on his cue stick or get down there near it, and I can't find it. Uh, I've asked some people about it, some pool players about it, and most of them say they think that it came over from Snooker.
0: I guess I could see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if you look back at old, I mean I can't find real old photos of snooker, but the old, the oldest ones I can find show them having their their eyes right down over the cue stick.
0: I'm since I'm in brain picking mode here and and learning about uh players that excelled prior to the last 20 years. Um How strong were Buddy and how strong were
1: Keith in their heyday? Not as familiar with Keith because I was East Coast and he was West Coast. Um, We all hear the same stories about Keith, about how he uh, busted a payball game when he was like 14 years old. So I'm I'm certain, I mean, everybody says he was just phenomenal. I'm going to go with that. Uh, Buddy Hall... I got to see Buddy play a lot. Um, On the Miserac tour, I even got the pleasure of losing to him a lot. (laughs) And the thing that got me about Buddy was that it all looked so easy when Buddy did it. Because, again, he was not one of these guys that sent the cue ball flying around the table to get position. He never got out of position where he had to do that. Uh, his cue ball sometimes was moving just a couple of inches to get in line for the next shot and he didn't have any fear Um, tough shots he'd just get down and shoot them Uh, I'm telling you Buddy Hall in his uh, 30's and 40's uh, you didn't want to play him
0: (laughs) I didn't want to play any of them (laughs) Help me out with payball. Uh, you know, I, I've heard it talked about. I'm familiar with the current games, but I've never played nor watched people play payball.
1: Oh, God, it's been 40 years since I've watched a game. But you can get, um, I think, you, yeah, you think you get paid on every ball with extra money um, for the five and nine? Uh, but frankly, I'd have to look it up to remember how they played it. I, all I remember was money passing back and forth quickly. Um, you get. Um, oh, and if 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 you leave a guy the shot and he makes it, I think it's you that has to pay all the money in some versions of that game. But I'm I'm really I'd I'd really need to research that to be able to talk about it intelligently. Okay. I never played it myself. Uh, I was a kid when I watched it be played, and by the time I got to the table, it was all uh, uh, straight pool and then nine ball.
0: It almost sounds like ring nine ball. Uh,
1: Yeah, except you could really get hurt if you left a guy shot. I think you might have even been responsible if he ran more balls for all the balls that he made. You might have had to pay for everybody. So you had to be. It was there was there were many elements to the game that are not like nine ball. Um, you 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 can't leave the next guy a shot. So if you miss, you better not be leaving a shot.
0: All right, one last comparison for you, and it's uh, it's the big one that a lot of people wonder about. And I don't know how much time you had watching the the older player. Do you feel that Allison or Gene were better players?
1: going to make me come with that
0: well i mean that's that's the that's right up there with earl
1: efren well i be honest with you i'm gonna to have to go with allison um because she won world championships in two divisions you know snooker and pool um, she played against i think overall a tougher crowd um uh, Jean was totally dominant because, really, there there just weren't but a couple of players that could compete with her. Um,
0: Laurie John's going to love you for that.
1: Well, there, Well, I didn't say she wasn't one of the couple <laughs> of players, did I? Um, you know, there were people who would have hot streaks and come up and beat her one-off. But um, Jean was... I mean, she she generally towered above the average female pro. And Allison, you know, of course, I'm more familiar with Allison's era, but she had to compete against some tough players. You know, Karen and uh, Jeanette and and, uh, Gerda. My goodness, those girls will tear you a new one.
0: Um, you mentioned Allison and how she won in two different disciplines. Now, I heard the story. Was it Rempy that went over and tried to play straight, or not straight pool? Tried to play snooker over in England.
1: Yeah, and for a while there, he he held his own. He was doing pretty good.
0: Were there other players that did that back then?
1: Golly, Mike, you know I. I think there was one other, but I don't remember his name.
0: But he wasn't as successful as Rempe?
1: Right. And I think, I, I, I'm not sure on this, I could be dead wrong on this, but I think uh, someone, some company in the United Kingdom uh, was sponsoring Rempe, which gave him the ability to come to England and Europe and do that sort of thing. Uh, because he certainly, I, I can't see a pool player risking their own uh, funds for a season of snooker that's quite expensive
0: all right i know i said that alice and gene was the last comparison i was going to ask you about but i lied um compare for me the scene at a major nine ball event today with one 20 years ago
1: well 20 years ago not that it's not that far back um, but then you had the Camel Tour, and they had many um, major events across the country. Uh, the difference between the majors then and now, because you know a major now is a U.S. Open, it's a Moscone Cup, it's a World Pool Championship, something like that. Um, you got much bigger crowds today. Than you did twenty years ago um, at the majors, so that's one difference. Uh,
0: and I guess the the line that I'm that I'm taking here is it seems to me, and I, I only I, I know that I'm not someone who's equipped to make this comparison, but I don't know that I remember. Th- the animosity that there is between some of the players today, was that going on back then?
1: Yes. Yeah, there were cliques. I can distinctly remember groups of players who would hang out together. Um, And they were always together at all the tournaments. Um, And there was some animosity. Um, You know, pool's a game that creates animosity. It's... um, it's it's really weird. You can take four guys and take them out on the golf course and have them bet a hundred dollars on the round, and when it's over, the three losers smile and pay up their money and buy the winner a beer. But in pool, you put guys into a five dollar ring game, and they're slamming their stick on the rails. It's it's just I don't know why that get, the game has that effect on people, but it really brings out male aggression.
0: Hmm, that's odd. I can't think of any reason why it would any more so than golf. I can't either. I mean, we we listen to people make the comparison between pool and golf and say, you know, look at all the money that's in golf. But that comes down to, partly, the type of sponsors that golf attracts. Does golf attract a different type of player?
1: Now, most of the people I know that play pool also play golf, but they're different people on the golf course than they are in the pool room.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And you're you're right. I do remember, you know, I've I remember tournaments or US Opens where, you know, when the players stayed on the winner's side and didn't have to play day 2, they'd go out and golf together.
1: Yeah, and and hand the money to one another smiling and and offering congratulations. Rather than sticking it down in a pocket and saying, "You get it,
0: <laughs> well, Jerry, I appreciate uh, a little walk down memory lane. you you obviously know these players better than I do, and I appreciate you taking some time. I know you're I know you're busy because you're working on getting things together for the buzz this month.
1: <laughs> yes, I am <laughs> and you're wasting my time.
0: <laughs> I am. All right, I will talk to you later.
1: All right, buddy, I'll see you soon. All right, thanks.
0: B- Bye-bye. All right, that was Jerry. Uh, we could have talked for an hour about the history of pool and and had it feel like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I consider Jerry a, the go-to person for the history of the game, and, and I don't mean that as... Jerry's so old he knows all these things. He's just been covering the game for many, many more years than I have. Anyway, let's move on to Vivian. It's been said in the billiards industry that Alan Hopkins is the hardest working man in the billiards world. I think after this interview with Vivian, she might be able to lay claim to being the hardest working female in the game. So let's listen to Vivian and everything she's got going on, along with a fairly major announcement on her big event coming up. And I'm joined now by the Texas Tornado, Vivian Villarreal. Uh, Vivian, where are you at today?
2: Actually, I just got back from Las Vegas, so, uh, but right now I'm in Los Angeles. That's where I've been here for probably about a couple of years now. Going back and forth, going to San Antonio, Los Angeles, and yeah.
0: So, are they going to change your name? California tornado doesn't have much of a ring to it.
2: <laughs> no, I was born and raised in Texas, so it'll always be the Texas tornado. But everybody always just calls it, for so many years, everybody's like the tornado, the tornado. But now I could never change that. That's my root. <laughs>
0: You've been pretty busy lately. Um, you've got a big tournament coming up in November. Can you tell the, the listeners about it?
2: Yes. I. Uh, well, the Seminole Tribe of Florida, as, as you know, they bought all the hard walks. They, they own all the hard walks all over the world. And uh, basically, they just bought the Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. So uh, they just put in $500 million. They renovated the whole place. It's beautiful. I just went for the grand opening. So, you know, I asked, you know, let's let's have an event there. And they said, yes. So uh, I have an event November 7th to the 11th. Uh, It's going to be pro men, pro women, uh, scotch doubles, which basically open, you know, uh, and scotch doubles, amateur men, amateur women. And then I have four events for the natives and uh, just really, really excited because I've been working really hard. and, And now I have the event on CBS Sports just really really happy all three events which would be the pro women the the pro men and the scotch devil
0: on cbs sports uh what what show
2: well it's nationally so it's cbs sports is, is national as you see you know you have Fox sports and stuff so it's national so the cbs sports that'll be the tornado uh open but on on, on cbs sports so you know i spoke with them and and they they feel that it can be a great fit so you know any tournaments i have you know will be shown on cbs sports and i think it's about time we had a lot of our stuff on on espn and and now um i think what's what we need is national tv and and i'm finally bringing it to the table which i'm happy
0: um have you talked about how much of it will be broadcast
2: Actually, it's going to be a whole hour of the men. Uh, Well, actually, you know, you have your commercials and stuff, but it's going to be one hour uh, of the men, one hour for the women, and one hour for scotch doubles. Originally, it was just going to be for scotch doubles. Uh, You know, uh, Dennis and Arcola and I, we played the scotch doubles uh, in my event in um, Florida at the Hard Rock Live, and we played John Moore and Allison Fisher. But uh, we wind up winning the whole thing. We were a great, great team. So uh, everybody's like, you got to do scotch doubles again. So that's the one originally that I was going to have filmed. Um, I just basically said I knew I, I would get it on a national network, and CBS Sports, you know, is supporting my, my vision. So now uh, I'm having, you know, we're going to do three hours, which is the men and the women. So all of it will be, sh- it won't be shown live. Uh, eventually I'm, I'm going to try to do live, but I just wanted not to do live yet. Uh, it's my first time. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and have it on Sunday. So we'll have the finals of the women on uh, November the 11th at 1 p.m. And then the finals of the men at 3 p.m. And then we'll have the scotch doubles at 5 p.m.
0: Do you know how long it's going to be after it's filmed before it makes it on television?
2: It'll probably be within a month. They want to try to get it in within two weeks uh so it just depends on the on the editing company so i already spoke to them the production company so we want to try to get it uh they gave me some dates uh so we're trying to get it you know within two or three weeks
0: that would be great
2: oh yes yes i'm so excited i mean i think this is what we need i think it can be a good vision for all of us uh you know, as long as we all stick together, I think this, you know, I'm trying to get the big sponsors, you know, I'm trying to get huge sponsors, huge corporate sponsors outside the industry. And especially when you have national network, you know, I think it's great. CBS sports, you know, uh, you know, where you can watch football, soccer, all that stuff. And now, you know, billiards, you know, we have, you know, over 200 million pool players worldwide, you know, it should be out there, you know, so I've always said, Lori John has always said, if anybody's going to change the game, bibs, you are. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, she goes, you're going to be the Dana White of Pool. And I'm like, okay. You know, so that's my goal.
0: Okay. Um, let's talk about the tournament. 100,000 100, added, that's across all the divisions?
2: Uh, usually, it, yes, it's, in which I want to try to get more. Eventually after this, hopefully, you know, I'd love to get free entry. You know, eventually. Uh, but yes, it's twenty five thousand added to the women, twenty five thousand added to the men, twenty five thousand added to Scotch, five thousand for amateur men, five thousand amateur uh, women, and then like the other fifteen goes to tribal members, and that's four of it.
0: Okay, and we'll we'll get to talking about this. But I noticed that the okay. flyer says based on full fields. What what field sizes are you looking for?
2: I. W- you know, on my first event, I was hoping to get the 128. I, I think I got like 94 players. I knew I was going to be short uh, because a lot of the guys from Europe couldn't come. There was another event, the Tour, and we tried to work it out. I couldn't move the date. He couldn't move the date. So I was short on some of the guys. But, you know, I would love to get a field of 128 players. The more players, you know, the more money it gets added for them, you know, and more money they can take home. Uh, the women at sixty four players, uh, amateur women forty eight. Uh, I had a full field of amateur men of one hundred and twenty eight players, and I had about twenty five on the wait list. and then the 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 uh, tribe that's you know that I had over sixty, I think close to that. so and I'm getting tribal members uh, from all over, but the native tournaments, a lot of people are asking about the eight and nine, you have to be a, a native. You have to show your government issued ID. Uh, uh, in order to play and qualify
0: for a native event. And, and like I mentioned prior to that question, you know, we have to, to, you have to think about the event that took place two years ago. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy over the field sizes and, and the payouts. And, you know, a lot of that was touched on back then. What I'm curious about is have you gotten any pushback from the male players or have they basically forgotten about that?
2: No, I mean, honestly, uh, they, you know, you have to read everything. Everything that was on the website, it said based on a full field. So I basically, this is the reason why sometimes I feel, and I'm just being straight up honest and blunt. You know, I feel that, you know, if you have an issue, come to the promoter or, or, you know, try to get it solved instead of going and bashing or, or doing all this negative, uh, you know, uh, talking and stuff on on social media, because it basically, you know, that one person's going to wind up hurting everything for everybody. And these sponsors, they don't think that these sponsors see anything. And once I showed them where it said in red letters, based on a full field, you know, uh, what could they say? You know, and I said, look, and basically, you know, to be honest with you, the tribe would have given them the whole. 25,000 added but the way they were acting they honestly didn't even want it there no more you know they wanted them just to leave here just tell them to leave give them back their their entry feedback but you know they just said go ahead and prorate it and I'm going to be honest that at one point I just didn't want to I worked so hard to to try to have this event you know they people don't realize you know I have meetings and I hustle and I get up and try to get all this money put together. It's not easy. It's not easy having an event. I I challenge all these guys or whoever wants to talk. Why don't you go put your own event? Why don't you go raise that money? You know, and basically, I, I, you know, now I I didn't want to have an event. And then a lot of the guys are like, you know, uh, you you can't punish this for like five guys that act this way. I said, you know what, you're right. And I'm I'm not going to do that. You know, I'll try it one more time. And uh, I haven't gotten anything. Uh, some of the guys who said some stuff did a come and apologize. They were truly sorry. And uh, now, I'm, I'm, you know, I have it. I have an attorney now on board. And it says on there, Mike, you know, once you sign uh, and you pay that entry, it says on there, there's no negativity before, during, or after my event. If there's any negativity, you will be done for my tournaments. You will never be able to play again. Plus, you will get 25%. Uh, penalized out of your prize fund. It's just like any other sport, you know, basketball, you know, tennis, you know, you, you wind up getting penalized when you bash your, you know, your association so or your sport. So I'm not going to deal with it. And, uh, you know, and I'll let them know, you can't abide by my rules and so then just don't play. It's simple. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to try to grow this sport. Everybody make money. Everybody, you know, uh, can try to make a living out of it. Um, but it, it was, it was, yeah, and I just couldn't understand it when I had to show them off. You know, the Filipinos were the ones that respected me and came up and said, Viv, what's going on? And I said, What look, look, they're complaining about this. And I said, look, it's on here. And they're like, oh, I see. And that's the way it should be. You know, if you have issues, come to me. But these people don't, they can't follow rules. You know, and it, when you have it in plain, simple, and it's right there, you know, where it tells you, You know, in rules, this is what you got to do. If you don't, you're going to have to pay for this, or if you lose this, you're going to have to pay for that. There was one specific person, I'm not going to name names, it's no big deal, but everybody knows. Everybody had their badge, and I told them, Do not lose your badge. If you lose it, you're going to have to pay. And uh, we see people outside, You know, here, use my badge. You can go in, go use my badge. Well, then he loses it, and then He's the only one out of almost 500 players loses it. And I'm like, I, you're going to have to pay. Well, he got pissed off, you know, and it shouldn't be like that. That's his fault. You know, one other person lost it. They understood the rules and they paid it. And right before you give them a ban- you know, their badge, do not lose this badge. If you lose it, remember, you're going to have to pay. Okay, I got you. I got you. And, you know, they get pissed off. They lose it. No, it just doesn't work like that, Mike. You, you work so hard. And you gotta follow rules. If you can't follow rules, it's simple. Don't play the don't don't play my don't play my tournament. That's it. Simple. Now I'm working on Cancun. I'm working on Canada, uh, possibly, uh, maybe possibly Florida. There's some in Vegas. So there's some other tournaments that you know I'm 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 working on.
0: You mentioned that the new contract that they signed before playing in the tournament says that they can be banned from future events is any player banned from this event
2: no i i if, if they want to come they they can play I, I don't mind that i just don't I, i'm i'm not that type of person mike i just want to see the the, the sport grow. that's it the only way we're going to work together is all of us work together if You know, they want to come and play my event, just go ahead. But I'm not, you know, this is what you're signing. You know, if you can abide by my rules, then go ahead. If you can't, then just don't play. I'm not like that to where you can't play. No, I'm not like that. You know, uh, a couple of guys did come and apologize. They were truly sorry that they were out of line, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. But, you know, they, you know, I challenge anybody, any of these guys that talk crap or whoever these people that talk crap, anybody. Put your own event. Why don't you put your own event and see? <laughs> yeah, I was really, really upset. I was so upset. The tribe was so upset, you know, and I'm very fortunate that, that, you know, I have a great, great relationship and they support me. And, you know, when you have a billion dollar company behind you, these, these people shouldn't act like that, you know, and uh, and my goal is, is to have big, big corporations uh, to sponsor the event. You never know. Maybe I get a free entry and maybe get the hotel paid for. You just never know. We've got to act right.
0: Sure. Um, The amateur events. How is a player determined as an amateur or a pro?
2: You know, it's so tough. I I have I have issues. I, I have problems with the men's events. The women's know as long as you're 650 and under with a Fargo rating. But the men, you know, I've already heard people have called, oh, you have these guys that are going to call and try to steal. No, they're not, you know, and some of them don't have a Fargo rating, you know. So I, I, I try to be fair, Six sixty five and under, if you don't have a Fargo rating, you know, I, I, I talk to Mike and I tell him, look, hey, you know what, what's going on here, let me know. And But there are, the thing is with the men, there's men that will always win an amateur event and they're stuck in the middle, but they'll never win a pro event. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're at the, right stuck in the middle. And uh, and and I just feel that I, I try to be fair with everybody. I don't want people to come over here and steal and this and that. And I've already told uh, people call me. they like, oh, these guys are going to come over here. And they play really, really, really well, Viv. And they plan to steal. I said, no, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I, I try to go with the fog rating rain. And I try to be fair with everybody.
0: And for anyone who's wanting to enter the tournament or wants further information, they can find that online?
2: Yes, uh, www.thetornadoopen.com. All information, if you want to register for the women's, men's, you know, the pro. It, it, you know, it's basically an open event. The women's pro event is open. You know, anybody wants to play. But I have some great, great players coming from all over. Ruby, Ruby i She's never been here in the U.S. She won the World 10 ball plays amazing. She's going to play with Efren. And, uh, that's going to be a, oh, it's going to be a great, uh, scotch doubles, uh, team there. And I I think Kelly's playing with either Jason Shaw or Chris Melling, you know, uh, Jasmine's playing with her brother. So it's going to be great, you know, and that's what I want. I want the best in the world. You know, people are asking to play in the men's event. Hey, you can play, you know, a lot of people, Hey, you want to pay the, the, the entry fee, go ahead. You know? So, uh, I just, you know, I want everybody just to be, you know, I, I want different. Like CBS, I want different. What I'm doing is I'm going to do foam fingers. I'm going to have great, you know, great energy from the audience. That's what we need. You know, like Ava said, I don't know if you ever, when I won the ESPN World Open Championship, we had, they, they wanted the championship man, the champion man and the champion woman play together. And I had to play CJ Wiley. I will never forget it. All the men were on one side, all the women were on the other side, and the girls were just talking crap. And I would win, and Janette and everybody would just get up and and you know uh, like they had towels and like yeah, it's going crazy. And Ava goes, "That's the atmosphere we need." I said, "You're right." So I just want excitement, you know. Just uh, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to do something different. I want to and I want to do prizes, you know, and have people people stay and, and just support it because that's what we need.
0: And on the other side of the table, when you're not promoting and putting these tournaments together, you've been hitting them pretty good lately.
2: Oh, my God. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't really practiced like I usually do. I'm going to be totally freaking honest with you. When I've been so busy all over the place, before I went to Canada, I had to go to Las Vegas, then I had to go to Atlantic City, came back. I was just all over the place. And I just, you know... I, It just comes natural to me, you know, uh, but I feel guilty when I can't practice and, um, I just, I have, I, you know, it was a great match between Brittany and I, that hill, hill match. And then to come back, you know, I hadn't, you know, ever since that incident with my daughter, when they took her, you know, and I I think I won one event after that. After that, I, I couldn't win another. I tried and I tried I remember I was like. Um, uh, second, third, second, third, and finally, you know, I, I I go play well, and what meant the most to me was the WPBA, because that's what made me famous, and that's my association, and then, you know, to finally break that, and I went four heel-hole matches, I think it was, and then to beat Allie at the end, you know, beat her for the hot seat, and then beat her again, I think it was 11-3, uh, it, it, it was priceless to me, I, I think that that meant a lot, played well.
0: You you referenced the situation with your daughter. For listeners who aren't familiar with what happened, can you elaborate?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. It's a long story. Well, actually, they're they're writing. I haven't. I, I need to announce it. They're writing my book, my uh, life story. It should be out uh, probably October sometime. Oh. And they want to do a motion. Yeah, they want to do a motion picture. I, I'm telling you, I have a lot going on, but. To make a long story short, this little girl came into my life. Uh, she was three months, her mother went to prison. Her mother was uh illegal alien, but Natalie was a US citizen. She was supposed to only be here, uh, be in jail for four months. It ended up four and a half, almost three and a half years. Uh, so I raised Natalie from three months to three and a half. Uh, uh, she's getting out. I tell her that look, you know, Teresa, just go back to Mexico because they're going to probably deport you back. Just leave Natalie here and try to come back, you know, illegally like you have been. And then, you know, we can try to let her get to know you. Okay. Okay. Well, then she gets out four o'clock in the morning. She's knocking on my door. She wants her baby. So I was just like, oh my God, mind you, I'm number one in the world at this time. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go on the run with her, Mike. I literally go on the run with her. I didn't know what to do. So I'm going from hotel to hotel, and she's looking for her. Because at that point, I didn't have no rights to her. And uh, basically, we went to court. I wind up winning. And um, then about six months, about almost 10 months later, I had to take her to one of her visitations. And I go and drop her off, and I go and pick her up, and I'm knocking on the door, knocking on the door, go in the back, come in the back, and I notice my my knuckles are all bloody, and I fell to the floor when I knew she took her, so she kidnapped her. She kidnapped her. I I I, uh, I went crazy, Mike, for so long. I went crazy, and um, that's when uh, I, I I lost everything, bankruptcy, everything, um, and I I. I went to Mexico trying to find her. I couldn't find her. Years go by, you know, I'm just torn apart. Ava's like, you know, I don't know how you do it, babe. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just felt so guilty that she took her because I was her mother. So um, years go by, and that's how I I ran into the tribe. The seminal tribe was looking to to sponsor somebody, and, and they called me and told me, oh, my God, you would be a perfect fit. They would love you. I went over there, and sure enough, they, we clicked, they left me, and my whole life changed. But they never knew what happened to Nat until like a year later, and then they found out. So then I had Vivian's kids from this Exploited Children. Uh, they wanted to form a foundation. And I'll never forget this pivotal point. One of the main uh, chiefs, or one of the main guys from the tribe said, I know God brought you to us for a reason. And I just looked at him. I just remember crying. And then I said, What? And he goes, God brought you to us for a reason. He goes, I see all the suffering you go through every day. And he goes, Let us find her. Let us find her for you. We'll give you five, 10 million, 15 million, whatever it is. And I said, No, God will bring her back to me one day. And he just looked at me. So time went on. And eight years later, I get a call. And they say, Well, you found your daughter. I said, No, you didn't. And sure enough, they put her on the phone. And we found her. I mean, there's more to the story because I want you all to buy the book. But I have to let you, you you have to find out at the end. But yes, it was remarkable and how they found her and how she was found by one of her classmates. Uh, And uh, yeah. And then when I first saw her and then when I first saw the mom. So uh, yeah, I've been through a lot of my life. and, And for so long, they wanted to do a book. And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. And I told Nat, are you ready? And she's like, no, no. And then finally, now we're ready and, you know, they want to do a motion picture. They're even thinking about approaching Jennifer Lopez. So, you know, they think it's an incredible story because I'm Mexicana, La- Mexicana-Latina, I was number one in the world, single mother, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I had her going to tournaments. Mary, Mary would watch her, Robin would watch her, Lori John would watch her. She was such a brilliant kid, you know. Uh, so yeah, and that's where I'm at. And, uh, so I have a lot going on.
0: It sounds like it. And then you were talking about the foundation.
2: Oh my God. So, so I finally, I just finally said, you know what? I'm just going to start this foundation because I'm so tired. I see all these little kids, these juniors, and there's really no mentors to where we can help them. Like we can all be in one, one building and help them. So I said to myself, okay. I've restarted one foundation, Let me, and so this is the TornadoFoundation.org, and there's websites up. People can see it. People can donate. So what my goal is is, is to – I'm, I'm going to be based in Vegas. Uh, you know, I want to do satellite as, as well, but I want to have to where – give education out to the kids, do, like, aftercare to where we, we give them education, and then, you know, we, we teach them, you know, we give them lessons in tools. Uh, I want to give out scholarships, you know, to the, to the natives, to the uh, minorities. Uh, I want to also help the animals, um, the shelters and homeless, if I can, and uh, victims of, of natural disasters. So uh, New York Life Insurance Company heard, you know, about me and me being Mexicana. They were just like, oh my God, it's amazing. So sure enough, I had a huge meeting, so they're going to support me. So I have some, some big people behind me right now. So I'm really, really happy. And I think I can raise a lot of money for these kids. So I'm really, really excited. And I think what I want to do is like, once it starts going, you know, if I have an event, like say, for example, in Louisiana, go like the weekend before, and I'll have some of the pro girls and I'll set it up and, you know, we, we can teach some of the kids there and mentor them, you know, and keep them out of, keep them out of trouble. There's so much drugs going on and it's just, I, I feel that there's no direction and when you, when you see these kids and you talk to them, they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So yeah, that's, that's my ultimate goal. So I'm, 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 I'm on the right track, Mike, I'm on the right track.
0: Well, it sounds like it. Um, I mean, I knew you were involved in a lot of things, but I didn't know you were involved in that much.
2: <laughs> yes, like, I know I'm like all over the place and I'm thinking, Oh my God, but now I'm so. and you know what? I am so happy in, in my life right now with everything, how everything's going, and how, you know, and now with CBS, my foundation, winning that tournament, winning those tournaments back to back, I'm in a happy place. And, and, it, and it makes a huge difference. And it, it just so much happy, happiness, you know, and gratitude when you can help others. And, and I'm going to fill in that position that I can, you know, and have the tribe behind me and have other tribes behind me. I have, tribes calling me because there's no native really charity out there for natives calling me that they want to help. You know, it's amazing. It really is.
0: And you talk about uh, your state of mind right now, something that would obviously uh, help that state of mind even more. You're eligible for the hall of fame this year.
2: I am. So the BCA. Yep. No, I'm not.
0: Well, you're eligible. I mean, the you're one of the people that's being voted on.
2: Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, let me tell you, I know I was voted on last uh, time, uh, again, several years ago. I, I was really happy with the WPBA. And then I know that there was one where I'm, uh, I think uh, Belinda got it or something. And then uh, they said, oh, Viv, you're going to get it soon. Oh, I didn't know I was on the list. Who's on the list right now?
0: Oh, I don't have the list in front of me. It's you, Gerda, um, Kim Davenport is up for veteran player.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let me see. I'm uh, I'm near my computer, so oh, I, I should didn't know be able that. to find out. Um, you put me on the spot now. I got to find it well I'm looking for it tell me tell me what that would mean to you
2: you know it it's being being latina I think it makes uh, I, I think it's huge in, in any sport um, and I, I it would mean a lot because it means that your own sport recognizes you you know when the WPBA recognized me and it meant a lot because When I told them, you know, about a little bit of my story, what had happened, how I was raised, you know, and how I first started and then Natalie and there, a lot of the girls didn't know. And it meant a lot because not in every sport, not everybody can be in the Hall of Fame. You know, you have to be qualified. You have to have so many, you know, wins and stuff. And it would mean a lot to me. It really would, because that's when you know you're really on the map that you will always be, it's, it's, it's. It's nice to have that H-O-F at the end of your name as a Hall of Famer, you know? Yeah, that's how I feel.
0: Um, it looks like it's Shannon Dalton, Corey Duell Nils Fayan, Gerda, Jeremy Jones, you, uh, Stefano Palinga, and Charlie Williams mm-hmm. this year.
2: Oh, my God, that's a lot. So it's But it's one man and one woman or it's just one person? I, I don't
0: it's the the person who gets the most votes goes in, and then I believe if the person who got the second most number of votes is over 50% uh, or or 75%, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have the number right in front of me, then they also go in. So it, it'll be one or two people, and it's not necessarily a male and a female. It could be two males. It could be you and Gerda. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh,
2: awesome. Well, you know that's great that's great well you know that's that's awesome you know i didn't know that you had me shocked <laughs> well thank you thank you no i appreciate that i didn't know that oh huh. okay cool
0: well i know cool. voting ends right towards the beginning of august next couple of days so they'll probably have an announcement within the next couple of weeks
2: ah uh, okay cool well, yeah, with everything going on, I I think you know I've I've uh, if you know I have a lot of people that that support me and, and now you know other other people you know uh, I just think that it's a blessing too if if I can change it and try to change the sport I'm going to try it why not you know I don't want to have that regret to where I should have done it you know and uh, When you have Seminoles and and other people that that will help you and support it, I I think it makes a difference. And then CBS Sports, Mike, that's huge for all of us. Yeah, it is.
1: Mm.
0: Well, Vivian, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. I know you're a very, very busy woman, uh, as evidenced from this conversation. Um, I look forward to the event in November and hopefully hearing much more about what you've got going on.
2: Okay, perfect. And then you're going to, Barb is going to wind up doing all the articles and everything for you. I I think she said, uh, yeah, so she would love to do that.
0: All right. Sounds great.
2: Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. I truly appreciate you.
0: All right. Thanks, Vivian. Talk to you soon.
2: All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.
0: All right. That was Vivian. Wow. Uh, Network television. Even three hours. Tape delayed. That That could be something big. Uh, I wish her all the luck with that event, and hopefully there won't be any drama like there was two years ago. That's the show this week. Again, I am sitting down with Thomas Overbeck early next week, and I also spoke to one of the Moscone Cup candidates last night, and we're going to get together early part of the week. So that'll be next Thursday. Until then, thanks for listening, and we're thinking about you, Dave.